So we are in Philippians, if you can't tell from the video, but a great letter in the New Testament from uh, a pastor, a church planner, to a church that he loves dearly. And you know, I kind of I get the feeling. Uh, but the year that he writes it in is AD 62. So happy new year, by the way, in 2023. So this is a while back and a little bit different context than we have, although I think you'll see some, some similarities. See, he wrote this letter from Rome, and this is Rome on its climb up to greatness. That would become the Roman Empire in the hundreds AD, so that would be, uh, what would that be, second, second century AD, where, where it was at its zenith, and it ruled the entire world. So now, there's more vices, there's more fun pursuits, there's affluence, there's parties, you can do whatever you want with whoever you want, or eat whatever you want. The wealth is overwhelming. You could even see it in the Circus Maximus, where they would have the races with the horses and the chariots. Maybe you've seen some reenactments of that or some pictures, and there's still some ruins from the Circus Maximus today. Uh, the Colosseum was not built yet, but, uh, but everyone was going to the races. There was gambling and drinking, but they also have architecture and philosophy, some great advancements. There's wealth, there's power, and yet we find that the happiest man in all of Rome is sitting in a jail cell. It's wild. He has overwhelming, overabundant joy, satisfaction. His, his heart is continually glad, and his name was Paul. Paul understood the secret to joy. And that's not found in the wallet, it's not found at the dinner table, or in your wealth or status. It's found somewhere completely different. And he's writing this letter not to complain about his situation. He's writing to the church of Philippi because they're checking in on him. Hey, we heard you were thrown in prison for talking about Jesus. How are you? If I was thrown in jail, I'll tell you what I would say. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd talk about my lawyer and my rights and how terrible the prison conditions were. But in the first, uh, uh, first half of the first chapter, Paul doesn't even talk about himself and his condition. He talks about the love and the joy and the thanksgiving he has for the family of God. And that all comes from joy somewhere else. Because he realized a secret. It's not so secret because we have the letter in front of us. God wants us to know that as well. The secret is this. Joy is a continual gladness of the heart that can only come from knowing and experiencing Jesus Christ. That's it. Regardless of your circumstances, you can have joy from knowing and experiencing Jesus. And he's running his Christian race. That's the metaphor he uses all throughout the letter. I'm running a race, right? I'm pressing on, looking forward, not looking back. It's athletic terminology. And he's saying, I'm running my race and I've got joy. So I want us to read Philippians 1 verses 3 through 11 to help set the tone for Paul and his state of mind and how you and I also can have unstoppable joy in, in this race called the Christian life. He says this, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you. He's talking to the church, remember this. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. 
for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all. Okay, that's another word for, for long. I, I can't wait to see you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Does that sound like a man behind bars? Somebody who's suffering for Jesus because of his faith? That sounds like somebody who's had a pretty good weekend. Had a good time on the beach, relaxing. Hasn't been beaten in quite a while. No, no, that's not Paul's situation. He has unstoppable joy. Why? Because the gospel anchors his life. Now, not anchor like a boat anchor that, that sinks to the bottom and holds you in place. He's using race terminology. So have you ever watched a relay before? And how many people run a typical relay in track and field? You got four. And what's that last leg called? The guy who comes last, you'd almost think the last leg would be the least important, called the anchor. It's actually the most important role because that's the guy that's going to get you across the finish line. So that's why I thought, man, when Paul has this joy, no matter what, nothing stops him. He crosses the finish line with the joy of Jesus. That's his anchor. The gospel anchors us in joy. And if we look closely at this passage, we'll see three features of the gospel that allow us to have joy as the anchor for our lives. First of all, we see that joy flows from one source. I don't know if you heard it, you probably did because you were listening closely, but Paul was a man of prayer. How many times did he say prayer in that opening statement? I mean, he says, uh, always, in every prayer of mine, I can't make a statement like that because I don't pray that often, although that's my desire. That's, that's a goal of mine this year to do everything in prayer. But, and then he says, making my prayers with joy. Verse 9, he says, my prayer. So, so Paul has a prayer life. Why? Because verse 3, he says, I thank my God. You'd almost run right past that statement, but let's pause there. Why does he thank his God before he start, starts talking about the church and the gospel and joy? Because all good things come from above. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, from eternity past. If you missed last week, you saw in verse 2, he, he starts to show the grace and the peace that comes from God the Father, sent through the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Spirit is the one who connects us to God. That's why prayer is so powerful. We're literally praying from Spirit to Spirit. It is God connected to us as followers of Jesus Christ, because his spirit is within us. And we'll talk a little bit more later about if that's not you or you don't understand having the spirit inside of you, but that's an important part of our walk because God is literally putting his joy inside of us. It's from him. So I thank my God. Joy is not something that we just add to our life. Like you go to the grocery store every week. Got to fill back up. Got to put some stuff in the fridge or the pantry. Our kids wipe us out like three days after we get all of our groceries. So then we just kind of make it on box mac and cheese and, and ramen noodles. You know, we don't do ramen noodles, but you know, like what, what would we find in the pantry? How did you guys eat all the snacks so quickly? 
It's not something you add. So that's why comparison, as Teddy Roosevelt accurately said, comparison is the thief of joy. Because we're looking around, what do you have that I don't? And I want what you have. It's not how you get joy. It's actually how you get miserable. Because you think, I just have what they have. No, it's not something you add. It's also not something that you can fake. Now, I can fake happiness, but you can't fake genuine joy. So that, that whole you know, fake niceness, that's why a lot of us have been turned off to churches in the past, because people smile and they talk a good talk, but then you get to know them. You don't actually have a close walk with God. There's something off here. You don't actually love from the heart. And take a lesson from Paul, he hated Christians. He was a terrorist. He imprisoned them, he beat them, he sought to kill them. He even made it his mission. His ministry was to put Christians out of business talking about Jesus. If he could shut them up, he would. He was on his way to do that, and God met him there and changed his heart. And now, instead of being anti-Christ and anti-the gospel, Paul says, I'm the first one to speak for the gospel because I've seen what it's done in my own life. I have joy because I met Jesus, the Son of God. He's the one who showed us joy. And because of his gift on the cross, he offers us joy internally, that spiritual fruit. Galatians 5 tells, Galatians 5 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit are. You know some of them? Shout it out if you know one of them. Love, good. Joy, peace, patience, and then the rest kind of just jumble together. I got what does it say again? Yeah. But we remember love, joy, and peace, typically. Right there. Right behind love. Joy. That's a fruit of the spirit. That's God's work. That's God's territory. When he gets a hold of your heart, like Jesus said in John 3 3, if someone's born again, then you see the kingdom of God. It's come. The kingdom is coming into the world, into the hearts of people. And God doesn't tell us, hey, sinners, I hate you. I am against you. I am going to burn you. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be what? Saved, rescued. God wants you to experience his joy. That's why he gave up his most precious gift of joy, his bundle of joy. That's what we call babies, right? God gave up his son. Fully God stepped down and took on human form to save us and give us joy. And that's why Paul cries out to God continually in prayer. He never moves on past the gospel. The gospel is what gets him up in the morning. Look what Jesus did for me. I'm a forgiven sinner. I'm free in Christ. So whether it's your circumstances that are messing with you and making you feel like, ah, oh, man, I, I don't know if I can run this race with joy. I kind of feel like I have to complain about something. Or maybe it's stress. Maybe it's anxiety. Someone who has burned bridges with you. It could be fear. I know someone right now in my life who greatly struggles with fear. He's in Christ, but he doesn't realize the full implications of the gospel yet. He thinks he has to hold on to that fear. Paul doesn't. In fact, if you look a little further on in chapter 1, he says in verses 18 and 19, I will rejoice. Why? Because I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my best. This is all going to work out. Even if I don't make it out alive, 
It's going to work out for the best. Paul chose joy. So what problems do you have in your life? I'm not in prison. But you know what? There's a lot of burdens that we carry, and I don't want to sell that short. <clears throat> prison is not the worst thing. A, bro a broken heart can be worse than that. Uh, a broken marriage, a broken relationship, or um, getting that pink slip from your boss, not having a place to stay. These are real stressful burdens. So take a lesson from Paul. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Or, I can't even believe I'm saying this, take a lesson from NFL today. The NFL has taught us a lot about prayer recently. Have you guys kept up with that and seen what happens when a 24-year-old football player from the Buffalo Bills collapses on the turf under cardiac arrest, almost dies, the trainers keep him alive, and they rush him off to the hospital, starts a whole revival of prayer. Teams are praying together. Fans from different teams are praying together. Coaches are coming out with their testimonies of faith. And then the commentators, they're talking about this on the show. And they're like, yeah, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And one guy named Dan Orlovsky speaks up and says, hey, enough of the thoughts and prayers. Let's actually pray for him. And right there, live on the air, he prays. And the rest of the commentators bow their heads and, and they pray along. They say amen when he says amen. Man, that's boldness. But you got to believe in the power of prayer. So when those opportunities come... You say, hey, coworker, come here. You're going through something. Let me pray for you right now. Hey, student, in the hallway or in the class, are you just bombed that test? Hey, you know what? Let me pray with you. Let me pray for you. How can I pray for you? Because God's spirit has the power to work and change lives. Oh, and by that way, by the way, that the player's out of the hospital now. It's doing much better. Prayer works. And the whole world has seen that on, on live TV. Just FYI. So joy comes from knowing that God is the source of it. So we run our race with joy. Secondly, we see that joy comes in gospel partnership, working together with others whose lives have also been changed by the joy of Jesus. Paul says, I thank God in all of my memories of you. Now in verse eight, he says, man, I'm yearning for you. I can't wait to see you. I've got the love of Jesus for you in my heart. And then when I, when I pray for you, I'm making my prayer with joy. Why? Why do you love these people so much? You haven't even seen them in a while. Because of your partnership in the gospel. From day one until right now. That's why I hold you in my heart. You're partakers with me of God's grace. Now, I got to be real now. I'm a pastor. A pastor for a few years. Pastor Dennis pastor for a number of years, and I'm sure some of you have some experience in church as well. You could think of some bad memories of church members if you tried. Am I right? You could. And if we're not careful, we might think more of those bad memories more often than we do of the positive memories. So this is one of the beauties of the gospel. Like God says, I'm going to remember your sin no more. God doesn't forget anything. What does that mean? God is choosing to not bring up the remembrance of our sin for those who put their faith in Jesus. It's gone. It's like there's nothing to remember. And Paul says that even though some of the people in the church of Philippi beat him and imprisoned him. If you read the story in Acts 16 and when they first get to Philippi, the jailer ends up receiving Christ. But first he was a captor. He beat them. He put them in stocks. 
He was rude to them. Paul loved him and, and chose to remember the positive work that God's been doing in his life, even over the trauma that he put Paul through. It's amazing. He says, I'm grateful for all of you, even the ones that your personality is a little different from mine. Maybe we don't connect all that. Well, that's okay. I choose to thank God for you because joy comes from our partnership in the gospel. Now, the word partnership, koinonia in the Greek, you could translate it fellowship, but Sometimes in our Christian circles, if you're from a Christian circle, we think of fellowship as like we all just get around a table together and, and eat some desserts, kind of like Christmas time, and we hang out. Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. That's how we get to know each other a little bit better. But the way Paul is using this word, partnership, is the better translation in our modern day terms because it helps us think about, oh, partnering, like you're on a mission together. We are. So if we're on a mission, what's, what's the business that we're in? We're in a family business. I was listening to a sermon by a pastor named Skip Heitzig, I believe, down from Albuquerque. And, and he said this so well. He says, so we're in the family business of the gospel. It's God's business. And when he showed his goodness to you through the gracious gift of Jesus' death on the cross, and his gift of eternal life through his resurrection. He brings us in. And now, he says, I want you to partner with me through the Holy Spirit to now take that joy all around the corners of the world. We're in the joy business. Isn't that pretty amazing? I'm in the joy business. Jesus is in the joy business, and he invites me in. And every single person who's a part of God's family, guess what? You're in the family business as well. So I don't know if you watch, uh, you know, law, law shows or uh, if you've been in a law firm, getting your name on the wall is a pretty big deal, right? So if you think in those terms, okay, whose name is on the wall in this business? Well, it's God. <laughs> it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. My name is not up there. This was not for me. It's not my idea. I don't run the show. Jesus runs the show. But... How cool is it that he says, I've got a seat at the partner table for you. You're going to share in my wealth. You're going to share in my resources, all the returns of investment, the blessing of helping and serving and loving people in my name. And I'm going to give you full access to my joy while you do it. He invites us in. And I'm not worried about my name being on the wall because it's not about my name. It's not about Living Hope Church. It's about Jesus and it should be. But I've got a seat at the table. And that's the invitation we offer you all this morning. If you don't know Jesus in a personal relationship, he's inviting you in. He wants you close. Your sin has separated you. But Jesus came all the way. God the Son stepped down in human flesh to mend the broken relationship, which he accomplished by the brokenness of his body on the cross. But for the joy set before him, he suffered so that we wouldn't have to. That's my God. That's my Lord and Savior. And you know what? The gospel works. Gospel's changing lives even today. And I'm so excited that God has brought us together for a gospel partnership in 2023 in North Sarasota for such a time as this. And when we realize joy comes from him, but joy is meant to be shared, now you're going to see God work in some amazing ways. And you and I are not going to know that if we stay apart from the family of God, if we say, I can do this Christian journey kind of on my own, 
You know, maybe you've been burned in the past. Yeah, there might be different reasons that people do that. But when we do that, we miss out on hearing the stories of God at work in people's lives. Right now, Courtney's over there leading a Bible lesson, teaching my children about the wonders of Jesus. I pray that's a blessing to her. <laughs> I hope so. I'm praying so. I think so. Because when we serve, when we partner together for the gospel so that Jesus is famous... We see the blessing of lives changed. We're not just looking for a church that meets my felt needs. I've got a checklist. Here's the things that I want. You know what most people don't think about when they're looking for a church, but they should? Is this church going to check in on me if I get thrown into prison? No one thinks that way. Because, you know, we never think we're going to get thrown in prison for our faith. But if you did, would you like to know this church actually cares about you? would send you care packages, would come and visit you, would write you. That's the kind of church we have at Philippi. And, and I have to say, I, I think I see that in our church too. So if I ever get thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, I'm in good hands. Praise God for that. But, but what about if you have kids that grow up and then walk away, have, want nothing to do with God? Don't you want a church that's going to remember to pray for them because you were close? they loved you well and you love them or or if or if, you know you have someone that passes away a church that remembers that that knows your needs that continually lifts you up and prays for you because we're partakers of grace together and i want you to know living hope church is a local church community designed for people to come here so they can vote devote their lives to jesus and grow in grace and go out and share that joy with others so this sunday today in just about an hour after our morning worship service, we're meeting at our house for a free lunch that's on us. And we're going to talk about what does it look like to partner together for the gospel. Would you be interested in a partnership with us? You can ask questions. We're not going to force you to sign anything just to get you thinking and praying about it. So if you are interested in that and you're not already signed up for lunch, come and talk to me. It's my house, okay? So we will make room for you. I, I guarantee it. Okay? We want to talk about the benefits of partnering for the gospel. Thirdly. We see here that God will finish his work. How do we know we're anchored in joy when you got so much junk going on in life? I know where this is going. I know where this is going. This is one of the reasons I don't do scary movies, by the way, if you're wondering, because almost all of them have terrible endings. Why would I want to get, you know, the bejeeber scared out of me and then you still have a horrible ending? Why did I do that to myself? I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm just going to be honest. I don't watch scary movies. I don't do it. Stop showing me those previews on Amazon Prime. I don't care. All right? I want happy endings. That's one of the reasons I love the gospel. I know where this is headed. I know the ending. Jesus has told us, I'm coming back. I'm setting up my kingdom. I'm going to remake all things. All things will become new. And, and Paul says in verse 6, I'm confident in this. I know that I know that I know that God who began this good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Is God a terrible architect? Is he a terrible builder, sculptor? So he just saves people and then leaves them in their time of need and says, I'll see you one day up in the clouds or whatever. That's kind of how people think about God. Oh, no. Jesus is involved in every aspect of our life. He's in control of it all. There's not one trial that happens in our life that he's not aware of, 
and he's working through to bring him, bring him about for our good and his glory. Not one. Not prison. Not anxiety. Not stress. Not family matters. It shocks us. How could they say that about me? How could this work out for my good, Jesus? Wait and see. But we can be confident that if he began that good work, he's completing it. If he came once, he's coming again. If he's brought joy into my life, he can keep joy in my life. This is the anchor of our soul. The God of good beginnings is the God of good endings. And by the way, it's impossible to lose a race that Jesus Christ has already won. <laughs> it's impossible. You cannot fail if you're one with Jesus Christ. You're already a winner. Now we got to run like it. Now we got to walk through the circumstances trusting him. Now, that, that day he began a good work, to explain that a little bit, that's the day that someone realizes, I'm a sinner in need of saving. I need a relationship with Jesus. He is the best news. He is life itself. I need him. And you put your faith in him. Now, you might say, that's well, wasn't God at work when he created all things? And wasn't God at work to bring you to the point where you could understand the good news? And, and wasn't he already working when Jesus died on the cross and rose again? And yes, but he says when he began the good work in you, that's different. That's the aha moment when I was saved, when he cleaned up my heart made me white as snow, and he put his spirit inside of me, and I became a part of God's family. That's when he began his good work. And the Bible says that there's another salvation coming, a future day, the day of Jesus Christ, when he comes back and he makes everything right. So not just forgiving the sins, but also remaking the world, setting up a perfect government, getting rid of all wickedness, forever. This is our king. He's coming. He started the work. He will complete the work. This is the fate of the human race. For those who are in Christ Jesus, all things will be made new. Of course, if you reject Jesus, if you reject his offer of eternal life, the love that he has for you, you're saying, I want to choose to stay to be an enemy of God forever. That is a choice. But as we all know, there are consequences to our choices. And I would plead with you, please, give your life to Jesus. You, I can't think of one reason not to. And if you have questions about that and, and want to know more about the gospel, I'd love to speak to you afterwards. Anyone in our church would love to speak to you afterwards. But here, Paul says, don't get frustrated with your lack of growth or your circumstances. Trust in God. Don't let your circumstances determine your happiness. Maybe you're frustrated with that person next to you and how slowly they're growing in the faith. You're frustrated. God is immensely patient towards us. He's so gracious towards us. Hey, he's not done with them. That's why they're such a project. God's not done yet. Would we walk up behind a painter who just started on his masterpiece with some, some hues of yellow and orange and red and say, I could do that. That's junk. That's, that's, that's you know tasteless art. Not done yet. Hopefully you want to do that to an artist. I got that again from Skip Heitzig. I'll tell you what, it was a great message and encouraged me greatly. Let God work. Trust him in his work. And then I got complete joy. 
He's not done yet. So Paul says, as we trust him, and we realize he's still working, we recognize I still have room to grow. So not one of us here, not the guy with the microphone and not you sitting there, not the kids over in children's church, none of us have arrived at spiritual maturity. We got growing to do. That's why he says in verse 9, hey, Philippi, you're a great church. You're a loving church. You're a generous church. You're evangelistic. All the things. Guess what? I'm still praying for your love to abound more and more. You can always love more. We can't outlove God. So we can always grow in our love. And I want you to grow with your knowledge of the Lord. None of us have a perfect working knowledge of God. And even when we close our, our eyes in death and we see him, we're going to learn so much more than even was revealed here. This is what we need for life now. And we're going to learn so much more about him for eternity. We will never fill up our knowledge of God. So grow in knowledge and discernment. That's how do we apply this knowledge in this situation. God, how do I honor you with my life? And how do I get filled up with the fruit of righteousness, of right living that comes through Christ? Starts with trust and walking in his grace and walking according to his plan and approving what God approves. And what God says is wrong, we affirm that is wrong. And I'm not looking for someone else to make me happy. I'm looking to Jesus. And when we do that, church, we grow. And one day that growth will be complete when we see Jesus face to face. And we will shine like the sun because we'll be reflecting his glory in our glorified bodies in the perfect kingdom of God. So as we look forward to 2023, in conclusion, we know that God's at work. I can press forward confidently, though we are a smaller church. I am thrilled at the work that God is doing, and he's not done yet. He's just getting started. There's a reason we're here in North Sarasota, and I want to see God do a great work in me and through me. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Okay? I want to see that. I want him to save every soul he intends to this year. I want him to disciple every single child of God he intends to this year. I want him to grow us where we need to grow I want him to work through us to reach every single person we need to reach. Well, who is that? Who are all these people we need to reach? That's why we're praying in everything. God, who do I speak to today? God, help me to apply this confusing passage of Scripture I read in my Bible time. I'm not even sure, surely full how to understand it, but I know you'll use this today. I'm trusting you. And we're confident in him no matter what. No matter what phone call we get today or later this week, we're confident in him because... We're anchored in joy. Let's pray. Heavenly, Heavenly Father, thank you for showing yourself. You could have never created us. You could have kept silent to yourself because, God, you're everything. You're all the joy. You're all the love. You're all the power and the glory forever and ever. And yet, out of love and out of a desire for us to know and love you and experience you, you created us. And God, I'm, I'm sorry for my sins that separated us. But thank you for making a way. Help me to never forget what Jesus did for me on that tree. God, I pray that the gospel would be first and foremost on my heart. Though I preach it a million times, 
may it never get old. And God, may our confidence as a church not be in ourselves, in our methods or tools or goals or effort. God, may our boast be in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, to which we have died to the world and the world has died to us. We're living for you. We're pursuing you. Jesus, help us run our race with joy. I realize that all of us are here this morning with some hurts and burdens and worries. We have no clue how this year is going to go. It might be harder than when COVID hit in 2020. But I pray, Lord, when those moments of fear hit and that uncertainty overwhelms us, that we respond in prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you again. Forgive me, help me, fill me with your spirit and show me where you're at work because it's not for nothing. You'll work this together for good for those that love you. I pray if there's anyone here today, Lord, that doesn't know you as Savior, they don't have a personal relationship with you. They've heard about you. They've read about you. It's something that they've been kind of on the fringe of, but they don't have a personal heart-to-heart connection with you by the Holy Spirit, and I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that they would see their need of a Savior, they would turn from their sins and trust in you, and that, God, you'd be faithful to keep your promise to save them, because that's who you are. I want to give you all the glory and praise, Lord. Show us even now, how do we apply this message? Why do we need to hear about Philippians right now? Help every single one of us take that next step in our spiritual walk, whether it's finding gospel community, whether it's using our gifts to serve you, whether it's finally opening our mouth and being bold with the gospel, wherever any one of these people and our children and children's church need to take that next step, show us, God, and give us the strength and the confidence to do so. Because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 